When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the family with Skeleton crew of Catherine Brandt and filling in for Andy, Cassie Schrader. Indeed, our very special guest, George C. Romero, up with his next with the family. I figured out a long time ago they're the only reason I have a job. Why are you asking? Well, we had another. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Tommy, how long have you been at KQ? 36 years now. Wow, that's loyalty. Well, if I'm completely honest, it isn't the company that I'm loyal to. It's the listeners. I figured out a long time ago they're the only reason I have a job. Why are you asking? Well, we had another great month at Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan. In fact, Burnsville continues to be the number one Nissan store in Minnesota. The loyalty part. Get to the loyalty part. Oh, yeah. This month, if you buy or lease a new Rogue or a Pathfinder from us, we'll give you an extra 500 off as long as you own or are leasing a Nissan. That is cool. Do they have to trade it? Nope. It's just a reward for being loyal. By the way, the new Pathfinder is fantastic. It's got a nine-speed transmission, and JLo says it'll practically pull the building. We also cut a deal with our good buddy Charlie Swenson, who's running a Nissan store in Chicago. He gave us some extra rogues. Because Charlie's such a nice guy. Well, Paul might have threatened him. Sounds like Paul. For details, go to Walzer Nissan or Coon Rapids Nissan and claim your loyalty gift. Tommy, give him some Elvis loyalty. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, we gave people some Elvis loyalty. What do you think of that action? We are back, ladies and gentlemen. It is Wednesday, October 27th, just 96 hours away, ladies and gentlemen, from Halloween. What do you think of that action? I'm excited. I love Halloween. There's no question about it. Oh, yeah. I'll ask that question. Well, George C. Romero is with us right now, correct? Yes, he is. George, how are you? I'm great, Tom. How are you? Magnificent. Great to have you on. Uh, we're just, I, I, gotta, I have to ask a question, because I, I, I am a huge Halloween fan. I love Halloween. And I just wonder, is that in part because I went to Catholic school? Because Halloween at my school, St. Joseph's, was huge, man. And then you move to some of these other yeah. other religions or whatever, and it's like they ban Halloween. It's like, what, what, come on, man. What are you doing? Right? <laughs> I, I absolutely love it. I yeah. love Halloween. George C. Oh, Blair. No. Halloween. Are you kidding me? It is the, uh, it's the, it's the best holiday there is. 
uh, it, you know, I mean, it's fun. You should see our front yard. We, you know, every year we try to outdo our, we try to outdo ourselves every year. And, uh, and, and, you know, we don't really go for the fun stuff. We go for the, we try to deeply and emotionally traumatize people who drive past our house. Way to go. So that's a lot of fun. I'm happy to hear it. So you actually dig up dead bodies and hang them from trees, real dead bodies. But, you know, ladies and gentlemen, uh, George C. Romero directed two horror films this winter back-to-back. Uh, we're going to talk about all we, I want to talk about everything, man. What it would, See, because, look, it was bad enough that my kids grew up with a disc jockey as a father, but, I mean, you had to follow in... in, in uh, your dad, George A. Romero's footsteps, man. Was it? How, how was it being a little kid with George Romero in your house? Oh well, you know, my parents split when I was very young, so uh, I got sort of like my mom kept me balanced, and then I would go be with my dad and and learn about the arts and creativity and all that stuff. And uh, it was great. I mean, it was everything about him was bigger than life, and everything we did was. Uh, was amazing and it was uh I, I think it was one day when i was very young i went out with him somewhere i need to get a burger or something and i i kind of realized that people were looking at him a little differently and oh sure to figure it all out um you know but uh i gotta tell you the best part about um you know having him as a father when i was a child was uh when i would spend time with him uh he gave me such an appreciation for uh, for for not just filmmaking, but for all art and for all creativity, and and I grew up uh, holding on to some of the stuff that he that he instilled in me when sure. I was young, uh, with re, with regard to all of that. So I mean, you know, I think uh, I think that's probably the best part of it was just my love and passion for creativity and my my desire to kind of pursue a creative life of my own. Did your friends, when you were little, try try to get your dad to scare the hell out of them? Or did he no. scare the hell out of them? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I, I, I think they were too. I think they were too afraid. Oh, yeah, they probably were. <laughs> you know, uh, on a uh, much different level locally here. I've been on the radio here for fifty-one years. I've been on the same morning show for thirty-seven years, and you know, so I'm known a bit around town. But I do remember one time, our uh, our children who are now. 36 and what are they? 30, no, 35, 35 and 33. She'll be 33 <laughs> in, in February. You guys don't even know you. 35 and 32. She'll be 33 in February. Settle down. But anyway, when they were little kids, I remember one of their little buddies came over and said, Mr. Bernard, do you know uh, Mrs. Burditzman? I'm just making a name up here. Do you know Mrs. Burditzman in my neighborhood? And I said, no, I, I don't know who that is. You don't know her? I said, no, I, I don't recognize the name. I don't know her. And there was a pause. He goes, she hates you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, kid. Thanks. Thanks. I feel much better now, kid. Apparently she wasn't a big fan of the show, so, you know. Well, there's a lot of those people. Oh, there are a lot of those people, yeah, a lot of them. Sure are. A lot of so, those people. It's so weird. It is indeed, but... Uh, was it fun growing up around horror? Because, again, I am a huge horror fan. I loved it from day one. Was it a lot of fun, I would imagine? Well, sure, it was fun. I mean, you know, it, it, just like any coin, it has two sides, right? So there's the fun part and the part that you personally love and the part that appeals to your creativity and everything. And then there's the part where your, your family members and your friends and your teachers and everybody in your community looks at you like the weird kid because you're out in the backyard with a an eight millimeter camera and trying to make you know a scarecrow look like it's got a severed head and you're the weird kid so <laughs> i love that i do love that am i detecting a texas accent I no know. not at all no um i actually i, I say new in, jersey I was born and raised in pittsburgh that was close uh born and raised in pittsburgh and uh and kind of traveled uh, the country for a lot of years lived in la for about 15 years and I've been in Kentucky uh, for the past Kentucky. six years now, so uh, you probably may be picking up on that a little yep, bit. Yep, that's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> All right, George, I just got to tell you very quickly, but just for three seconds, I now hate you because of the, what the Steelers did to the Vikings in the Super Bowl. Don't ever talk to me again. <laughs> <laughs> that was scary. It was very scary, George. There's <laughs> no doubt about it. You know. Here's a fun thing. When I was a little kid, my one of my dad's early gigs was uh, he was a sideline um, 
ran the sideline cameras for the Steelers. Oh, really? And, uh, I got to go to yeah, I got to go to a lot of those things when I was a very young child, and, and uh, so I have a special place in my heart. Not only being from Pittsburgh, but obviously for personal reasons as well. So the Steelers can never do any wrong, in my opinion. People don't realize and, how how much of a how much of a dangerous job that is to sideline cameraman. Oh, it's, absolutely. My friend's one, yeah. and he invited me down a couple of times. It's dangerous, oh, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those are absolutely. some big fellas. So they could, yeah, I'm a diehard Steelers fan until the day that I die. George, do, do we, uh, you know, I'm asking this for myself, but I'm, I'm asking for everybody, obviously, but, but a lot for myself. Do we embrace horror movies, frightful movies, because we want to identify uneasy feelings we might have, whether on the surface or below the surface. Do you, is it all about identification of what my fears are really all about? What is that? Wow, that's a really good question. Thank you. Uh, and one I don't think I've ever been asked, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to I'm gonna do my best to wing it here. So I think... <laughs> <Okay>. uh, <laughs> here's what I think. I think... Um, I think they're a way for us to identify with extremes, right? And I think yes. that this goes back to uh, this goes back to my pursuit of uh, of my own creative journey when I was very young, right? Like if I look back at some of the greatest artists, authors, anybody in, in, who's who's ever written or existed in the world of creativity or art, um, the people that I always looked up to, they lived to extremes, right? They lived, um, they loved harder than anybody else. They laughed harder than anybody else. Yeah. They, they pursued experiences harder than anybody else. And I believe that that came from a, a, a boldness to live these extremes that other people might have had some re- reservations about. And I believe that horror films, uh, not just horror films, uh, action films, you know, most films, most stories are told uh, of the extreme of whatever story it is or whatever perspective it is. And, you know, let's face it, we all have those thoughts that, you know, we all have these sort of, they call them intrusive thoughts in 2021. I don't know what they used to call them, but they're called intrusive thoughts. And horror movies, I think, are a way for people to kind of quell those. I think it's a way for people to kind of, um, you know, if you're, if you're feeling aggressive, you can watch a horror film and maybe your aggression subsides. If you're feeling... Um, you know, whatever you're feeling, you can, you can, you can deal with it on whatever you need to relate with a horror film. They're so relatable on so many levels, even though they're so ridiculous and extreme. And I think that that might have something to do with it. I think you're absolutely right about that. Just being able to look on the screen and go, oh, that's why, that's how I feel or why I feel the way I do. There are things that I fear. I've identified my feeling as fear and now I kind of know what drives things like that. That makes total sense to me. But And by the way, I'm also jealous of you because you got the uh, email address, denofgeek.com. I love that. <laughs> oh, that's, no, that's not me. That's, uh, that's Den of Geek. Those guys have been just great. Oh, they've they have been helping good. Us really push out. Yeah, they've been, they've been helping us push out a lot of... Uh, a lot of information and they've really been big proponents and fans of all the work I'm doing with heavy metal magazine with these two comics, uh, cold dead war and the rise. And now today with our, with our NFT, our, our rise NFT that dropped literally like three hours ago on crypto.com. So, uh, we're, we're, it's, it's, it's probably one of the most exciting big steps forward into the next 50 years of, um, of my family, man. I think it's just wonderful. So tell me about the rise. I want to hear about that. Sure, the rise started. I, I conceived the rise about well over ten years ago now, and have been looking for uh, looking for a great home for it uh, for a very long time. And you know, in this business, it's uh, it's 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 a great business. There's great people in it, and there's there's a great way to get your voice out wide and get your stories out wide. Uh, but you know, there's the business to it, and everybody seems to forget that. And uh, yeah, yeah. you know, so the, the the business of of the rise ten years ago was very differently focused than it is today. And um, it took me this long to basically find the ultimate match made in hell for this story, which is Heavy Metal Magazine. <laughs> uh, when when Matthew <laughs> when Matthew met me, the CEO of Heavy Metal. Uh, who took over a 50-year-old brand, and I met um, 
we instantly vibe on uh, on the future of what I'm trying to kind of move forward with, which is the rise. And you know, the rise is my personal, very personal love letter to my father and his partners and all the work they did more than 50 years ago. And it's a true, it's my take on a true origin story of creatures that were created so long ago. Um, so that is the rise, and it is uh, it is available now in. In heavy metal magazine, uh, which you can get at heavymetal.com. It's available uh, every two issues that appear within the magazine, then get released as a trade, and then next year sometime we're putting out a full bound edition of the entire story. And uh, I got to tell you, the, the response that we've been getting to this, uh, Tom, has been just humbling. Uh, you know, so when you sit on a story and you live with it and you live with the characters for a decade, you know, you, you get these, and it finally comes time to release it. You know, when, whenever you make a movie, there's always that kind of butterfly in the stomach moment. Sure. You know, what are people going to think and all yeah. that stuff. And and that comes from the fact that you, you put a year or two of your life into this project, or three or four or five. Uh, but this is more than a decade of my life. People change. As as people, we change every five years. You know, I mean, and, and, and the story, uh, I've never moved the goalpost of this story. And, uh, and, you know, when you, when you choose a hill to die on uh, and then you push it out into the world, you're left there saying, well, I might actually die. And, and then right. the response that we got was just amazing, and people are loving it, and it's been humbling and a wonderful experience. And, and, uh, and, and that's basically the rise. So for anybody who wants to, to get in and, and check it out, our first issue went to second printing almost immediately. The issues keep selling out. Um, and, and, and I'm just so grateful that the fans have, have accepted this story and accepted me as uh, a person to tell this story uh, because uh, it is so personal to me and, and so important to me to get it right. And Heavy Metal has been such a great team uh, you know, and gotten so behind it and, and everybody who's worked on it from Diego uh, Yapur to Joseph Illich, the editor, to Matt Medney, the CEO of Heavy Metal. We all have this shared vision for the future of it. And then uh, to, to see all of that even come to fruition today with this giant NFT drop on Crypto.com. Crypto.com is like the largest the largest uh, crypto platform out there. And, and they have launched a, a, this, this NFT package today. It's just next level stuff. It's just even we're just even trying to push the boundaries of NFTs at this point. So uh, we're just looking at, at every boundary out there and saying let's shatter it. I mean, the only problem I got is I'm looking down the table. My wife's got this big smile on her face. I'm so. like crypto. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's awesome! It's it's awesome. It's a variety. It's, it's got a, it's got like a whole variety of redeemables associated with each collectible, uh, and basically we're releasing it in three parts. And it's a motion comic documentary that I narrate um, about Rise and about basically just uh, the Romero of it all. So if you're into crypto, you've got to check it out. It's um, it's epic and. Uh, I woke up to all the launch stuff and all the launch news and everything today. I woke up like a kid on Christmas. I was, you know, I, I generally write and work very late, and, and yesterday was no exception. I was writing until I don't know five this morning, uh, and uh, and I woke up at like seven thirty, and I was like all energetic. I didn't even need coffee. Like I just, really? which if you know me, you know that you know that that's like what the hell is wrong with me, right? Like I just go <laughs> right into the laptop this morning, and I. Right. It was so exciting. It was one of the most exciting things I've ever been a part of. It's been a drop, and to have it be the rise and this NFT. I mean, we have made a commitment to go, you know, full bore uh, into the next fifty years of what I can deliver uh, as George C. Romero, and try to make my father proud. Okay, now I'm gonna I'm gonna reference your father quickly, and then I'm gonna turn to the next. I got a couple of quick questions here. Well, the first one's not a question. I want you to know the next time you, you know, maybe meditate on your father. Would you tell your father I'm still upset with him? Well, that the woman in the movie zombie got poked in the eye by the louvered door. My God, that looked like it hurt. <laughs> Holy God, did it look like it hurt? Uh, Man, remember that scene? No. Oh. 
I mean, how did they get? How did he get such an up close shot of an eyeball with a louver, a snapped louver from a door going right in her eyeball? Oh That's my That's why you God. hate louvered curtains. In the <laughs> oh, yeah. now it makes sense. It's it's George's dad's fault. Oh. Honest to God, I, that was a brilliantly shot scene. I must admit that that was very realistic. I can promise you that. Right. It certainly was. It certainly was. <laughs> but you learn a lot. Yeah. You learn about. Uh, and I can't. I mean, I can't really tell you how they did it. You'd have to ask him. So. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Could it be a little hard? I know you can talk to him, but I don't think I can. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a family recipe. I can't. <laughs> no, I understand. I understand it completely. I, under, I do understand that thing completely. I think to tell you the truth. Um, another well, this is a little bit deeper question. I am sorry for, for doing, but I'm talking to a horror expert, and, and I'm fascinated with horror on several levels. Obviously, the identifying what you're truly feeling, but this big run we've had with zombies and Night of the Living Dead and all that stuff is that is that in a way a religious question? Is that carried forward from you know going to Catholic school or going to going to a church school when you're a kid like I did? That you it's like what about the dead? What about the living dead? What about zombies? Is there a life after death? Is that an examination? Is that what this is all about? <laughs> Excuse me. There. Um, you know, it's interesting. This is a topic that comes up kind yeah. of frequently here, especially around this time of, around this time of year. And uh, you know, I, pretty much my stance on it has. It, it, it evolves, but it's rooted. It's always been rooted in sort of the same belief about yes. it, and uh, I think it's it's the relatability of it, right? I mean, like if you think about the old Universal monsters and all those old movies, right? Like that are still great, and the vampires and, and Dracula and Frankenstein. And you think about all of those and the Wolfman. They're yes, they're monsters, and yes, they were scary, and yes, they continue to be scary. But they're not relatable like a like a zombie or a ghoul. Right, right, right. A zombie, a zombie is your mailman or your butcher or your doctor or your <laughs> sister or your cousin or your wife or somebody that five minutes ago was somebody that you wanted to go to the movies with, and now you have to debate whether or not you can muster what it takes to shoot them in the head. And I think that that is um, that is the the pulse. Of what I believe those guys latched onto more than fifty years ago, yeah. and I think that that is what has made it so uh, terrifying on so many levels. Um, I, I, does that answer your question? I think it, that no, that's... It, it does. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, it's one of those deals, George, where you look at it like now. I I notice, you know, I watch a couple of movies here and there, but then I see a lot of movie trailers, and it seems to me. The, the more angry and, in some cases, hateful or the more uncomfortable we get, the more violent movies get. And it, it, there's an ebb and flow yes. to that whole thing. It's amazing how, how movies reflect what life is really all about. It's amazing to me. Yeah, well, and, you know, like we going back to what we talked about a minute ago, people need an outlet. They need, you yep, know, absolutely. people go to the movies, people... People go to the movies to escape, and people go to the movies to celebrate, right? So if you're having a bad day, you go watch a movie. If you're having a great day, you go watch a movie. Uh, at least diehard fans and movie fans and all of that stuff, that's what we do. That's what I would do growing up, and that's what I still do to this day. Yep. If I'm having a bad day, I'll go put on a movie I love. If I'm having a great day, I'll end that day with a movie that I love. It's the same, um, it's the same with drugs and, and, and alcohol. Yeah, that's true. true. That's true. Yeah. It is. It is. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. George, so, the most uh, horrifying, yeah. most horrifying thing ever happened to me in a movie theater, and I've talked, I've told this story several times, but it's true. George C. Romero, our special guest, Frightful Friday, the top five horror comics. We're talking about the rise. We're talking about all kinds of great stuff here, but. The most horrible, horrifying moment of my entire life, I was nine years old. I went to the Broadway Theater in North Minneapolis to see the Elvis Presley movie, Girls, Girls, Girls. And you know what I was? What frightened me so much? No, I'm, I'm nine years old. I'm watching this movie, and it all of a sudden strikes me, I ain't ever going to be that handsome. <laughs> 
<laughs> it scared the hell out of me. He's like, man, look how good looking that guy is. Jeez, that's a fine gonna, figure. I, I thought you were going to tell him a mummy movie story. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, that, you're absolutely right, L.A. Now, this is an even better. This is a George C. Romero story is what this is. Yeah. I love this. I grew up in a neighborhood that was Catholic, black, and Jewish. That's who lived in my neighborhood, Jews, blacks, and Catholics. We all lived, lived together, and it was, it was a wonderful youth. I will tell you that. I had a wonderful time. Again, go to the Broadway theater to see the movie The Mummy. And in the movie, this guy's running away from The Mummy, and, of course, the mummy catches him and kills him. And one of my neighbors goes, man, how you can't outrun a mummy? Because <laughs> <laughs> they just dragged that one foot. You think you can outrun him. You, know, you, you, think. Would, you would think you could. <laughs> you could think you I've could never out. come across a mummy, well, but I think I know, could. You know what? funny and interesting to me about that is that you know and i don't think i ever put two and two together about this but that could very well be where the horde the horde thing comes from right because nobody's scared of a zombie but people are scared of a horde yeah that's yeah. Very, yeah, so, very true um, you know what i mean like you can outrun you can beat up you can pretty much <laughs> take care of a single zombie or even two but what you can't do is outrun a hundred of them that's true because you know? no matter which way you go they're gonna get you God, he was so upset that that guy couldn't outpace a mummy. Uh. He was very angry about that. I'll never forget. It is annoying to watch. It's like, come on, man, just run. Run. Skip. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, it's fantastic. Now, I, miss, I think I miss that the most about going to the movies, though. People used to, I used to yep. actually laugh when people would yell at the movie screen. And I think if somebody was yelling at the movie screen, that just means the filmmakers did their job well. Yeah, I agree. So. Well, it was every movie in my neighborhood. You went to a movie in my neighborhood, the Paradise Theater, the Broadway, the Empress, you go down the list, you were going to hear people talking to the screen. I can probably well, now, that. now you can barely laugh. People go, shh, well, oh, shh, I know. Shh, like, it's like, yeah. God, man, I just laughed. <laughs> having a good time here. Leave me alone, man. It's... You know, what's so great, George, is I was just talking to Michelle Mann. Of course, the Mann Theater is a big chain of theaters in uh, in the Midwest here. And a, a really nice family. And they're going to reopen because a lot of theaters have been closed because of the uh, pandemic. But they're going to reopen one of the local theaters, the Edina Theater. It's a legendary theater. Just fantastic. George, I can't tell you how much I've missed. And I went to everyone I could. But I love going to a movie theater, sitting in a theater, watching a movie. I just adore that. Me too. And, and that is what, you know, look, experiencing something in a theater is different than watching it at home. Oh, it yeah. always will be. And, you know, when you experience something with other people who are experiencing it, it heightens your emotions. It heightens the entire experience. Uh, you know, it's the same thing like going on a roller coaster. If you went on a roller coaster, you're the only person on the roller coaster. You might have more of, an, of a fear of, of, of actual death. But if you're on a roller coaster with 50 other people who are all screaming and laughing and you're all scared, it's not quite an actual fear of death as much as it is a group thrill. And it's the same thing with a movie, I think. Uh, when you go to a theater and you all experience it, it's a social experience. And it becomes, uh, it becomes. Uh, I think it's super important, and I hope we get back to it. Yeah, I think we are going to get back. Because, you know, getting that uh, Coca-Cola or Pepsi and that bucket of popcorn and go sitting in your seat and hearing everybody laughing or cheering or, oh, my God, or whatever they're doing, what a great experience. And I really, really hope it comes storming back because, man, it's a great part of being a kid. I have been to movies twice where I was the only person in the movie theater. Yeah. And it, oh, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't as good. No, it's nowhere no, near no, as fun. So. <laughs> you got to no. have other people. No, it's not as good. Yeah. It's not as good when you're the only and, and I used to do that, too. I used to go to these matinees down in Tampa. and uh, But I would only go to a matinee of a film uh, I had already seen. Uh, because then if I, I knew if I went to like the 11 or the one o'clock show, I'd be the only person in the theater. And, yeah. and it's different when you, you know, when you, when you get to watch it again by yourself, because then you can really focus on, oh, yeah, as a filmmaker, I yeah. can focus on, you know, I could focus on all the things that I wanted to take away from it as an artist or a creative. But when I watched it initially, I had to see it with the people because if I didn't see it with the people. I, I wouldn't understand maybe the things to look at later. 
You know, George, a half an hour was not enough, man. You got to come back. I'd love to talk to you again because you understand exactly what it. I don't think people understand why horror films are so popular. You have a very clear understanding. I, I don't know if you discovered some of it yourself, but you learned some from your your father, no doubt about it. But it is a wonderful genre. I will never stop going to horror films, and I want to go to a theater to see them. But by the same token. Your comic book series, The Rise, that's another thing I just loved loved to look at and love to read. So, George, please do come back soon. Tom, I would love to come back. Thank you so much. We've got a lot more stuff coming out for The Rise. Uh, beer launching. Uh, it, is, it, is, it is phase one of what, I'm, what we call the dead verse, and uh, it's huge. Is there and, any, and for anybody listening, please go. Is there, is there any merch available, like T-shirts or anything? You know, uh, well, just the NFTs. Go check them okay. out. Go to crypto.com forward slash NFT. Check those out. And uh, you can go check out my Instagram at George C. Romero. And please go to RomeroPictures.com. Uh, we do have some merch up there. It's not Rise merch. I do a lot of work with up-and-coming writers and try to help writers uh, understand the fine art of screenwriting. And so I've got some things available there, including the book I just wrote, Part 1. And uh, and then uh, you can also start to learn about um, I'm doing another project. Uh, it's not a project. It's my life mission, actually, is the Veterans Compound, which is a nonprofit that my wife and I started oh. to uh, help veterans uh, get into the visual arts of filmmaking. Come back and talk about that. I'd love to talk about that. Tom, I would love it. Thank you so much. And I can't believe it's been a half an hour. <laughs> thank you, sir. I can't. That went by very quickly, man. George, thank you, sir. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Tom. Have a great day. You too. Bye. We'll take a break. Be right back with the family. And we are back with Stretch's picks. You know, Tom, uh, there's a lot of analysis that goes into these picks. Yeah. And uh, I highly recommend betting, of course. I always recommend betting. Yeah, absolutely. So who's winning this thing? The kitties, the pack, the bears, or the purple? None of the above. Those are all the teams in the division. I know that. Well, who's your pick? I'm going with Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. What? It's not a football team. I know, but it's a hell of an HVAC company. They do the most thorough system tune-up in the industry. Sabre is one of the largest Bryant dealers in the state, which means you save. Yep, I'm going with Sabre, Sabre and Bryant, doing whatever it takes to keep you comfortable. It's also the smartest time to call and schedule your furnace tune-up with Sabre. Get the most thorough tune-up in the industry from the people who keep my home comfortable. Oh, uh, one more thing, Tom. What's that? Visit SabreHeating.com. Tom here, and I'm talking with Brad Huckle and Mike Bilski of North American Banking Company. We've talked before about how working with a community bank like North American Banking Company can benefit business owners. Do you have an example you could share with our listeners? Our customers at Homeco Insulation and Blaine have been banking with a big bank for many years, but suddenly their calls weren't getting returned and their banker was unresponsive to their business needs. You can imagine their frustration. They had a successful business, wanted to expand, and their bank cut them off. They were ready to move on from their big bank when they referred to us. We knew they wanted to work with a community bank that would be responsive and would take the time to understand their business and its needs. That sounds like a perfect fit. I know it can always reach out and not only talk to an actual person, but I'm talking to an experienced lender. They've told us the same thing, Tommy. Look, I know Brad and Mike and I trust them with my banking. My whole family does. So why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience member fdic and equal housing lender as you know my friend mike lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life he didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow mike created the new giza dream bed sheets they look and feel great which means an even better night's sleep for me which is crucial for my busy schedule mike found the world's best cotton called giza it's ultra soft and breathable but extremely durable mike's giza sheets come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty the first night you sleep on the Giza sheets, you will never want to sleep on anything else. Giza Dream Sheets come in a variety of sizes and colors. Mike's making a special offer for my listeners. You buy one set, get another set absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code TOM. There you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. Call 1-800-516-5146 
Use the promo code TOM. Go to MyPillow.com. Make sure you use the Gentlemen, I was just talking about. Uh, you said the Living Dead when we were our last segment, and I was talking, of the Living Dead. Yeah. yeah, the Living Dead makes much more sense than the Undead. The Undead, the undead yeah. just means you're alive. That's correct. Right? Really, right? So, so why, so. why Undead right. became a thing? I got to be honest with you. I, I, after five minutes, I felt like I'd known him for like thirty years. He's just yeah. one of those guys, you know? He's just, what a nice man. George C. Romero, George A. Romero's son. How long has George A. been dead now? Like four years, something like that? No, I don't think it's been it that, been that long. long. Let me check. It. But um, I'm not kidding you. When that louver poked that woman in the eye, I was like, oh! I like I liked them, them kind of movies when I was a kid, but I can't do them anymore. A lot of people can't. Well, there's, give me anxiety, the man. Top, give me too much anxiety. And they're much more violent and much yeah, more I can't over watch the top. It. I can't I watch it. I understand. What I used to love them as a kid, but when oh. I got, probably in my 30s, I couldn't. I stopped watching them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was July 16, 2017. Yeah, so he'd been dead for two and a half, four and a half years. Wow. Oh, my God. It feels like he just died like, I know. like a year and a yeah. half ago. I feel like I was just 21. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I understand that one, too. I mean, I just loved his vision for the zombie genre. Cause, oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many people have done it, you know? So, like, he just... I love the campiness of his zombies. Yep, that's a it's huge just, part of it for me. You know, because it kind of takes that... The edge off. The edge off, yeah. That's yeah what, it, I can watch those. I can't watch the new ones. Oh, Because well, they don't have the edge not taken off. It's all edgy. Well, then they came out with that movie World War Z with Brad Pitt. Yeah. yeah. Those zombies were creepy because they were fast. I mean, they. Oh, fast zombies don't need that. No, I seriously. They, <laughs> oh, it looked like no. like when they were coming down that mountain. It looked seriously looked like a, a a herd of like spiders just flying down. I mean, they were so fast. But I mean, in in the whole genre, uh, zombie genre is very campy because it's so unrealistic. But it's so. Yeah, I like that. I well, can watch that. It's yeah. funny because, like, Dave and I will be watching The Walking Dead, and we're like, how are they're rotting away? How are they biting through denim? <laughs> Their jaw would fall off, you know, but it's just so fascinating. And yes. then you kind and and when whatever movie you watch, it's always interesting to see how the people in that situation would react. How would they survive? Um, how would they start treating each other? And I think that's where The Walking Dead is so successful because it kind of turns it into like a real-life political situation. Like you have these groups. These groups yeah. will start fighting each other. It's more on reaction. Yes, people. yes. I mean, it's like the zombies are kind of like the, you know, the pest in the show. The real story is in with the people right. and how they would survive. And, like, I just told you guys over the break, and I've told David, I'm like, I totally would survive a zombie apocalypse. I know what to do. I know how to use, I'll make a weapon out of a stick, and I'll sure, cover absolutely. myself in zombie blood. Well, so luckily, they don't... there is no zombies. Well, <laughs> hey, you never know. <laughs> you never you know. Sure? Never say never. Life, life does imitate art a lot. Well, they did have that one bath salts or whatever. People were eating each other's faces off. Yeah. Oh, they, yeah, they, uh, they, they people did. still yeah. do bath salts. Yeah. Yeah, they still Why? do. Why? I don't know. They like <laughs> that. They like that kind of high, man. They never figured out that it's not real healthy for them mentally. I don't think they. It care. doesn't seem like it's a high. It care. seems like you're putting yourself in a psychotic state. It doesn't seem like you're. How is that fun? I don't get it. I don't get a lot of drugs, but people like to do them. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, I want to take a drug so I can eat somebody's nose. I off think their it's face. the biggest downfall, yeah. the biggest problem in the United States right now. Drugs. Drugs. Especially oh. opiates. Oh, huge God. opiate oh, problem. I, I've, been, I, I, I've been driving around and going in the neighborhoods a lot because I'm sh- sh- exporting motorcycles to other countries and I'm picking up bikes in all these neighborhoods. And you wouldn't believe how many people are doing drugs, man. It's a lot. Like, mm-hmm. I'd say 8 out of 10 people come out of their house either with a meth pipe in their hand oh, yeah. oh, and yeah. don't even care to hide it, <laughs> like, just in their hand. I wonder why we have a workforce Oh, shortage. no, there's a big issue with drugs, in this in this area, anyway, in Minnesota. It's yeah. is more dangerous? Drugs or Alain Omar? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, it's right up there. That insane. Oh, did you see, see her? Yes, uh, I did. What's she doing now? Uh, 
Look, Stephen Bauer was on the show, on the morning show yesterday. Like mm-hmm. I said, I've known Stephen for years, great guy. Born in Cuba, came to America at three years old. What did he say? I love America. I love America the most. I, I don't know why, how people can run this country down. They've never seen what other countries are like. I absolutely love America. Here's a woman who was in a camp for eight years until she was eight years old, gets brought to America, living the life of Riley. She's a multi-multi-millionaire, but America sucks. How does America suck? Well, you have to remember that, you know, socialism and communism are pet projects of colleges and of governments because it benefits them. Yep. Colleges have to have government funding, and if they kiss ass to whatever regime is in power, then they're always going to get their funding. Schools, right. teachers, maybe, they all are part of the system. Maybe she's a zombie. <laughs> she might be a zombie. Maybe. Outside chance. Now, I just don't understand. How could anyone step up and go, oh, I'm going to support that psychopath? Her, her speech yesterday was... I, it was terrible. I didn't see it. It was the most hateful thing I have ever heard it's in my entire bad, life. Is it a, oh, she hates the police, right? Everybody. She hates everybody oh. but herself. She hates this country. <laughs> she hates this country. So living in shitholey is much so better, much? apparently, than living <laughs> in America. Why do I people mean, love her so much? I, I mean, don't, love she's her. Horrible. I, was, I go, just picked up some bikes in South Minneapolis. There's Elon Omar son on everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, well, there's they one, love her. There's one on I-94 on that building as you're, it's to the east of I-94. Oh, yeah, you're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, excuse me, I-35W. Yeah, I know what you're talking you going about. Yeah, I saw it. Huge Elon Omar, gigantic sign. Is she up for a re-election? Yeah. When? In this two election. next week. Yeah. Oh, already? Yeah, it's, God, it's it a, seems like the election was just five seconds ago. But she's got nobody yeah. running against her. I mean, that's the whole deal. Well, and she has the, she has the a certain community that, oh. that is a big population in Minnesota that gets bust in. They bust them in. They t- yes, they hand they them do. a piece of paper with who to vote for, and they all go in and vote. And yep. There's not enough regular people to do that. Not regular people, but opposed people, and that's just the way she keeps winning. It's unbelievable. The I don't think she'll, she'll, she'll never got, get re, not reelected. No. Well, look at them all. I mean, it's a one-party state. It is. It's always. It's been this way for thirty years. Oh, well, longer than that, I think. Probably since well, FDR. We had a couple, there, there a couple of Republicans in there. There was a Republican mayor of Minneapolis. Yeah, Palanti. Yeah, Charles yeah. Stenbig was, was Republican, wasn't he? Yep, yeah, yeah, believe so. How long Palenti. ago was Palanti? Oh, Christ, was that 20 years ago now or 15 years ago? He's the last one. Wow. He was the last Republican. There will never be another one. Mm -mm. There's no way a Republican's going to like the governor again in this thing. No, I think they'd just shoot him. (laughs) That's that's the biggest reason people tell me that they they don't like me. I don't like you. Well, you don't know me. Well, how do you know you don't like me? You're a friend of Palenti's. So did you see that Palenti went shoulder to shoulder with Walls just yesterday and got the vaccination to say to people, hey, look, it's not a Democrat or Republican thing. This is all of us. Mm-hmm. So that's not a good guy. He well, didn't have to step up and do that. Wasn't Plenty the one that spearheaded the whole immigration from Somalia? Yes. Yeah. So how why, is he a bad guy? I oh, I know it. why. He cut funding for two schools. Oh well, there you yep, go. That'll that's exactly do it. what it was because he was trying to balance the budget. Everything was psychotic, and he tried to control spending, and they absolutely went insane. Yeah. They hated him for that. And like I said, I talked about it you know, this morning on the show. I, there are, Pat Garofalo is a Republican, but Ryan Winkler is a Democrat. You got Jimmy Francis. I don't even know what, what party Jimmy Francis belongs to, but I think the world of Jimmy Francis, the mayor of South, uh, South St. Paul, there are a lot of politicians that I like, some Republicans, some Democrats, some Independents. But South St. Paul's its own city? <clears throat> yeah. No, I didn't know that. Well, you didn't no. know that? No. Yeah, South St. Paul's its own city. I yeah. didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Well, it used to be just a stockyards, because back then it wasn't its own city. It was just stockyards, <laughs> yeah, pretty did, much. I, I did not know that. Yep. Jimmy's a, you know Jimmy, you know? Mm-mm. You'd love Jimmy. I might. I don't know. His, the name doesn't Jimmy's ring a great guy. I keep talk, trying to talk him into running for governor, but he won't listen to me. He said, I'll run it's for lieutenant governor. Pool. <laughs> lieutenant? It's such a poisonous pool right now. It it's is. Like, who That's wants true. to do that? Like, who wants to go through that hell? Because they'll just attack you on everything possible. I know. They I just, just they just need to eliminate political parties and just works for vote me. based on that individual candidate. And we really need term limits. Yes. Like oh, for Elon Omar. That's oh, not going to happen either. Ever. 
Eight-year term limits, man. Four-year term limits. It has to happen. I agree. And we're doomed because corruption sets in when you're there too long. Well, look at your current president. He's been well, in politics now for over 50. People don't understand there's so much inside information, and you just get corrupt, 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 like, like you're talking about. It's true. I mean, Joe Biden got into into politics the same year I got into radio. <laughs> oh, what does that tell you right there? See his $500,000 wall he's building around his beach house? I did see that. And we're paying for it. And we're paying for what? it. What? Yeah, yeah oh, taxpayers yeah. pay. Oh, yeah. Security. For oh, his yeah. beach house. $500,000 wall he's building. <laughs> and it's taxpayer funded. What a scam. Wow. Through the Secret wow. Service. Yeah. Now look, by the same by the same token, Donald Trump screwed a lot of people out of a lot of money. That's the other thing. Be, I, oh, billionaires I, do. Well, they do. That's they do. That's why they're billionaires. When do we actually get to say this is wrong without pointing fingers at what everybody else did wrong for the you know for the last four ten. 500 years. Yeah, Why right. can't we just say you're wrong. this is wrong? Right. Why don't we fix this instead of, well, it's wrong, but it's not as wrong as what somebody else did. I know. So we don't have to do anything about what's wrong it's today. Mm-hmm. All we can do is address things that are happening today. We yeah. can't do anything about what happened before. I know. No. It's the past is gone, people. It's, it's gone. gone. You Why? gotta admit it and just move on yesterday, with your lives. Yesterday. Yeah. Why Nothing you can people, do about it. Why do some Americans just line up with this anti-America thing? Have they never been anywhere before? Because their teachers are telling them this. Well, their teachers don't know. I mean, i got nothing against the... I do have something against the teachers' union. Oh, they're, I do, too. They're Did you see how many, uh, how many states are dropping out of the national... Whatever that is. What is the National Teachers thing? Um, the National Teachers Union, yeah. Uh, not no. the union. The, 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 like uh, an association? Sounds, yeah. or? It sounds like the NRA, but it's not the NRA. Yeah, the National <laughs> Reachers Association. But you saw they put out an apology letter the other day apologizing for the letter that they wrote Garland. Yeah. So they're, they're but, trying to backpedal. No, wait a minute. Did you see what happened this morning? No. He quoted it again this morning on oh, national television. Of course television. he did. That guy is another psychopath. Oh. His son's making millions. He is. He is. Millions. Bad, bad person. Well, he's a horrible human being. Well, look at him. He looks like a How did he get, I don't understand. He They picked the people deepest in the swamp yeah, for that cabinet. Did. Yeah, they did. They really did. No, they absolutely Like did. him. He's been in it forever. All of these people, all these politicians. Ugh. I'm beginning to... Yellen. Yellen's been there oh, forever. What a nut job that woman is, too. Let's yeah, keep going. Let's, let's tax your capital gains <laughs> that you haven't even taken any of the money out. How do you tax income that you don't have? <laughs> well, you How have it. How? You have it on That's paper. That's not income. Well, you, well, you haven't sold it yet, so Absolutely. It's not it is not income. I don't but know. She thinks that There's she no says way it is. that they're going to be oh, able to do it. God. First of all... Inflation, if they keep printing money like yes, they're printing right. money, that's going to cause, that's, I mean, that's really the only thing that they can do to prevent the stock market from crashing. Because yes. if they start raising interest rates, the stock market is going, going and to the crash. The stock market no today, I mean, the last two months have just been horrible. It's going to cost horrible. you, it's going to cost you $1,000 more this winter than it did last winter to heat your home in Minnesota. It's twice as much for $1, a turkey. $1,000 more. It's twice as much just for your Thanksgiving turkey. turkey. But that's what it's going to cost, oh. $1,000 more. I used a stat this morning when I was uh, 16 years old, okay? I didn't drive till I was 21, so I was talking about somebody else. Uh, when I was 16 years old, I could have bought a gallon of gas and a pack of cigarettes for 60 cents. Oh, yeah. Gas was 29.9, and the cigarettes were 31. So it was actually 61, 60.9 cents. It would have been nine, I think, a dollar. Gas was 60 cents, or cigarettes yeah. were 60 cents. Yeah, there you go. So for me, it was 30 and 30. A gallon of gas and a pack of cigarettes was 61 cents. <laughs> Today, the same thing would cost me $20. Okay, well. 20 bucks. But the thing is, is that, okay, so how many years is that? What's the span? Well, let's see, I'm 24 now. So <laughs> that's 35 years. So 35 years. So the previous 35 years Excuse didn't. Me, 55 years. Oh. <clears throat> Never mind. Okay, 55 years. So the yeah. previous 55 years, did inflation go up that much? Not the, really. The, well, That's the thing to figure yeah, that out. Yeah, is the thing to figure Gas out. Gas stayed between 5 and 19 cents for a very long time. It did, yeah. It did. 
like a very long time. And I still love the fact that we stop shipping our own oil, so now we pay uh, four times more to the Russians. They, here's what people don't. Here's what people don't understand, Tom. Once a company raises the price of a product, oh, they never lower it again. Oh no, it's never going down. Well, gas has gone down. No, gas is different. Gas is a commodity. I'm yeah. not talking about commodities. Oh, okay. I'm talking about an actual product. Right. Like. A brand. Mm-hmm. They're never lowering the price back down. No. It's staying at that price point for the rest of your life. It's just an excuse to raise the price, then they're going to raise it. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. commodities, but, but brands. But did you ever think you'd see a gallon of gas at $8? There's a gas station in California, 8 bucks oh, a gallon. Oh, I know there's, there's, no, there's one right when you <gasps> pass the Utah Soft Flats, there's one that's close to 8 because it's the only they gas station there. They don't want you driving anymore. Out there, no, they, they don't. don't. They, they do that California not want border, you to drive. It's insane. Well, they have like a $4 tax per gallon. Nope. Four bucks a gallon. Yeah, tax. Ours is like three and a quarter. Yeah. What? Well, yeah. No, it's, it's not a three and a quarter. No. It's, like it's, a, quarter. it's a lot of tax. Wow. You're paying most of oh, the tax. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. The gas doesn't cost Which crap. is supposed to help keep the roads in good shape. Which they don't ever work Which on. Which doesn't and happen. people don't fall for that. This, you know, they push it a lot in Minnesota. The 15% ethanol of eight, Super 88, whatever they call it. Yeah. Do not use that in your car. I thought that's, that's all that was car. available now. No, there's plenty of 10% ox, uh, 10% and there's non-ethanol oxygenated, which is the best. And it says for small engines only, but it's, it's the best for your car. And here's the, the reason why it's so bad, ethanol is bad. Ask the next time you see a gas guy filling a tank at a gas station, go over there and peek in the caps. You'll see the, the Super... The 91 octane and the 87 octane with no ethanol, they'll all be nice and clean and shiny metal. And then look at the 88 ethanol. It's all corroded and eaten away. Other than that, though. It's the most, literally corrodes everything, including everything inside your motor. Why? Because it has something in it that corrodes. It has acidic. Oh. And it eats everything. It destroys everything. I remember accidentally. And it turns bad quicker than any other fuel. Putting corn gas in my car oh, yeah. on a road trip. Yeah. I just went and filled up. Mm-hmm. And then when I got done filling up, I was like, oh, I just put in corn gas or whatever mm-hmm. they call it. And I was like, oh, hopefully that's okay because what are you going to do about it? I, I, my The engine sounded terrible until that. I mean, I thought it's probably going to break. Uh-huh. It, it was like clunking and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. They until really it, push until it, I burned it up. They push it hard in Minnesota, but eth- ethanol fuel. It, and I people say, oh, NASCAR uses ethanol fuel. Yeah, it's not the same fuel. They well, do use ethanol fuel, well, but it's like 108 uh, octane. And, <laughs> but, yeah, that stuff's not good. And, and if you put it in a small engine, like your lawnmower or something, let it sit over the winter, that's the end of that motor. Oh. It will eat it sitting. Yeah, they said 17. Yep. We shall be back with part two in just a couple minutes.